Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. We are back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for tuning in. You guys are fantastic. If I could give you all a hug, I would. Um, because of you, we're trending. Uh, and this is getting to the people that need to hear these messages. Um, I get uh, texts and emails from people all over the world saying, this episode saved my life. Uh, this sentence this person said changed my whole perspective on how great life can be. And it's just, this is why I do what I do. And it, it's not about me. It's about the people that I bring on. And I've had some amazing guests and it's just been fantastic. And today is going to be no different. Before we get to our uh, amazing guest, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Wasatch Recovery, Siegfried and Jensen, Mountain West Spine and Orthopedics, Thread Wallets. We just landed Thread Wallets. I'm so excited about that. Uh, living Interventions, excuse me, Living Recovery Interventions and uh, Veracity Networks. And we also have some silent sponsors. You guys know who you are. Love you. And uh, couldn't do it without you guys. So today we are joined by Sharice Ells. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Yes. Um, I've known Sharice now for probably, it's been over a year, I would imagine, if not almost, longer. Almost so it's year. almost been two. Mm -hmm. And I got to be honest with everyone listening right now. I've never seen someone so, I guess, forthright of saying, I want to be on your podcast, Todd. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, you've been on me. When am I on? When am I on? Yes, when am yes. I on? And here we are. Finally, yes. here we are. You've been very patient. Um, and I'll be totally honest with you. I think the reason why I was maybe hesitant at first is I didn't know you. Right. You know, I, I really didn't know you too much in the sense that, I mean, I knew of your, your background. I mean, she's been through hell and back, guys. Mm -hmm. you, you will not believe her story when you're going to hear this. But I got to, I'm going to be honest too. From what... I know of you now. You're one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Um, you're the most positive. You you help everybody out. You speak your mind. You wear your heart on your sleeve. But you also uh, have so much compassion for the people that we work with. But just watching you from a distance has been fantastic. Thank and you. I just hope you know that. And I'm not just saying this because we're on this podcast. <laughs> um, you, we talk about it all the time, Kirk and I. I'm really close to, to the person that kind of supervises you. Right. And we, we both go, are you kidding me? This girl's <laughs> a rock star. Thank you. And Thank uh, you. so, yeah. You got an amazing story. We're going to get into it. But let's start off with, tell us about your childhood and maybe where you grew up and a little bit about that, Okay. Okay. Um, I grew up, I was a single child until I was about 14. Um, and I grew up in, I was born in like Glendale Rose Park area. Okay. Um, my mom, she did everything she could to make sure that I didn't go without. Um, and when I was about 10, my parents bought a house in Taylorsville and you know, I just, I grew up there. My, my little brother was born when I was 14. Um, so you were like almost like a motherly figure to this kid well, right yeah, being that he, much older yeah i and and my parents both worked full-time like I, I didn't i didn't have my mom as one yeah. of those stay-at-home moms which you know 
the people that we have here in Utah, a lot of people have stay at home moms. Yeah. I wasn't, I didn't have that, but yeah. my mom worked 40, 50 hours a week. My dad as well. Um, Doing and their so, best, man. Trying to figure out absolutely. how to, to provide and, for the family. And they did, they did a great job. Yeah. They did a great job of doing that. Um, so yeah, my brother was born when I was um, 13 or 14. Um, and when I was about 16, he was diagnosed with Asperger's. Mm. Wow. It was, for me, I didn't ever want to believe it. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's and a tough it was, thing. It was, it was tough, but I wouldn't trade that kid for the world. Yeah. I wouldn't. For so. sure. Yeah, I mean, that's tough news to hear, but obviously you care and love him. And, yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, and for sure. Kind of and, and like I said, I wouldn't trade him. He, he is um, the most literal, dry-humored person uh-huh. ever. <laughs> There is never a dull moment with that kid ever. He's not even a kid anymore. He's 23. Yeah. <laughs> so how were you as a, as a kid growing up? I mean, like I said in, in the intro, you wear your heart on your sleeve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You speak your mind. You're Always very happen. you're very energetic. You <laughs> you have a spring in your step. <laughs> I do. Were you like that as well when you yes. were a young girl? Yes. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was, <laughs> I was loud, and I'm pretty sure I was obnoxious. Um, I loved to be the center of attention. I was always always very compassionate my mother has told me many times over my life like how can you just love as much as you do Mm -hmm. and i don't know i just do i have i love to love people there's no room for hate (laughs) wow that's that's a beautiful thing and that's a great message for all of us really you know and it's interesting how that is that is a childlike characteristic really Mm -hmm. we all have that right that we just love Mm -hmm. sometimes we forget that and maybe we you know, start acting a different way as we get older. Right. But ultimately what we're striving for is to come back to that childlike love. And that's really what you have. <laughs> Thank you. I will take that as a compliment. Yeah. But you're also very confident and very stern when you need to be. Um, so growing up, I mean, you went to high school. Did you gra- graduate did. from high school? I did graduate from high school. Okay. Um, after that, I went to um, Las Vegas and I started doing some college classes. I was going to be a nurse and they just, I didn't want to be that anymore when I found out what it was about. Oh really? Which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm a compassionate person. <laughs> yeah. But it just, it wasn't for me. And it so, didn't resonate with you. No. It, yeah. it, it, and I think maybe because when I first started, I was starting in like homes for, um, older people that had dementia or, you know, ass- assisted living homes for seniors. And I, I didn't want to have to deal with death. That was nothing that I wanted to deal with. Yeah. No, that's understandable. So you got married uh, really young at 18. I did. I yeah. did. I married. He was my best friend. Still is, actually. Um, got married at 18. Um, had two beautiful boys yeah. that are now 16 and 17 years old. Um, and their dad and I got a divorce for no malice for no other reasons other than we're just better friends and better co-parents yeah and that happens so, sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. and, we and are, we're best friends and it's good you guys recognize that mm-hmm. and to be best friends after that is pretty amazing as yeah. well yeah. especially for the kids sake yeah right i agree yeah so you go through this you go through a divorce i mean at this point is life still pretty good for you I mean, it's things good or yeah, are you struggling? I, no, at this point I wasn't struggling. Um, yeah. I had met another man. I had actually, when um, my kids' dad, um, whose name actually is Todd. <laughs> Todd. What a cool name. I know. What you know what? Shout name. out to Todd. <laughs> much um, much respect. <laughs> <laughs> after Todd and I um, got divorced, um, I was I was working at a bank 
and the Westerner of all places. The Westerner. Yeah, I was. I was working <laughs> at the Westerner on the weekends. Yeah. You know, because I was now a single mom and I was yeah. I was trying to do my thing. And um, I remember one thing I will never forget that my mom said when I first started working there was, you don't want to meet a man there. That's not the type of man you want to marry. Yeah. I probably should have taken her advice. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I, did, I did meet somebody there and... Um, when we first got together, this, it was fine. We were great. We, we combined our families. He had children. I had children and it was really good for the first couple years. Um, we got married and just things went downhill. Um, this is where I got introduced into drugs. Um, I didn't do drugs. Methamphetamine being specific. Yes, it was it was absolutely meth. I um, mean, every drug's bad like right. that, but meth is on mm-hmm. another level, yeah. right? We, right. I mean, no, for sure. We see it all the time here. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it it took a toll on me for sure. I didn't the first time I did it. I think I was twenty eight years old, mm. and so it wasn't. You know, we see people coming in at it here all the time that yeah. their whole life story <clears throat> is wrapped around this. You yeah, know? right. And mine didn't start till I was twenty eight, but. And then it just went downhill from there. And um, the relationship that my ex, we had gotten married, like I said, and then it just went downhill. Meth got introduced to our relationship and emotional and physical abuse. And it was just, it was, I, I didn't know how to handle all of that. And I think that I found my, my peace in a meth pipe, which, you know, I mean, that's a terrible way to put it, but that's, that's the only way that I knew how to deal with what was going on in my life. Well, and I think what you're saying for those listening who may not understand that exactly when, when you're hurting Mm -hmm. and you're struggling, even though this is a bad way to deal with it, it gives you that temporary relief. And that's where you Mm kind of go, Oh wow, I feel okay for a minute. Right. Right. Or I feel, I like this feeling of feeling high. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, it took, it took a, a little while of of the abuse between him and I and finally um I got out I guess you could say you know I just I I finally left one day and um I started struggling more and more because yeah I still was trying to hold on to this really really great thing that we had in the beginning yeah you know we we did we had a beautiful life in the beginning keep thinking it can go and back to that hopefully like yeah. what and why did it go away you know yeah. my my brain wasn't like, oh, well, Sharice, it's because you guys are doing drugs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> weird. You know, yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't think that. Yeah. But <laughs> 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 so after I left him, I actually had a really great job, but I was still trying to be a single mom, do my job, and now this newfound addiction that I had. And so for a little while, I was doing really good, meaning I had a roof over my head and my yeah. children, you know, were with me and... Mm-hmm. Um, then this, this person that that I was married to, the second person I was married to had come, um, and had come to the apartment that I was living in and essentially had gotten me kicked out of the apartment because there was just too much drama going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so after that, um, I had actually gone to my parents and, and let them know, look, I'm going down a bad road and I don't know. I don't know what to do. And my parents, you know, they're they're They didn't really know what much about addiction. And so I remember my mom saying, well, your kids can stay here, but you can't. I was mad. Oh, I was mad. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you yeah. what do you mean? You, you're going to take my kids, but not me. I am your kid. You know, and I look back at it now. And of course, hindsight, 
But I look back at it now and she was just doing her best. She was just trying to protect my kids. Yeah, seeing that you were going down the wrong road right. in she, rough shape, right, and which she, was going to be probably worse on the kids. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so after me being stubborn, um, <laughs> you know, it, and I decided, you know, go ahead. My kids needed to be there while I was trying to figure out my, yeah. my things. And so um, they were there for about nine months at my mom's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their dad, Todd, yeah. had gotten a new place and he, he was doing really great at his job. And, um, he was able to take the boys and, um, you know, he would still help me. Todd would still help me now here and there. Um, and it just kept getting worse and I just kept meeting the wrong people. Um, I did meet one right person. <laughs> I did meet my husband yes. in, in, so we call it the game in the, the drug game. world. In yeah, the I, game. Did, I did meet him there. <laughs> um, and I had. I had eventually just gotten to the point where instead of trying to have a job and do drugs, I was going to sell drugs. And so that's what I did for a while. And are you at this point, are you homeless? Are you couch surfing? Couch surfing. I I was never really homeless per se. Okay. I mean, I was homeless. I didn't have like my own residence. Like your own place. Right. And so I was couch surfing. Um, I do remember a few times I... I stayed in like Airbnbs or I stayed um, in motels. Right. Um, but then eventually um, I, I did, I did move up to Ogden and I was able to, to have like a residence there, but then, you know, drugs get the best of you again. Yeah, and and right. then, so then from, from Ogden, I had actually moved down to price with one of my friends and I was like, you know, it's going to be a new beginning. It's going to be a great yeah. fresh start. Yeah. Small towns are probably not a good fresh start. <laughs> Small towns can be tough. They can be very yeah, tough. Cause they're, yeah. It's almost like uh, there's a big divide mm-hmm. in a, in a small town where you got half that are doing the wrong thing. Right. The other half are trying to, you know, being normal and trying to live a, you know, a healthy, honest right. life. <laughs> right. Right. And, and as much as I wanted to pretend I was living an honest life, I wasn't living <laughs> right. an honest life. Right. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so how's your mental state at this point in your life? I, I mean, are you, are you walking around depressed? Are you, do oh, you yeah. have, do you have moments where you're going, what the hell am I doing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, all the time. There, Cause there, yeah. To get to that point where you're like, I'm going to sell drugs. Yeah. We said that, you said that, and almost kind of nonchalantly here, but I want our listeners to know, I mean, to get to that point, mm-hmm. things are definitely not going well. No, absolutely not. I, at this point, I had no contact with my mom anymore, mm-hmm. no contact with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably tell you there was... It was probably a good five years that my dad didn't say a word to me. Really? You know? And and yeah. at the time, of course, I'm angry about it. Sure, yeah. Now, like I understand Makes now. Makes sense. Yeah. I totally understand. He didn't want to see his baby girl doing the things that she was doing. And so, you know, and I, I, I was angry, I think, at myself mostly because, like, how could I do that to my kids, you know? Right. And so instead of trying to face that, I would just continue to do drugs. And so then yeah, it was like, yep, let's go ahead and just start selling drugs. And you know, that's so, that's what I was doing. And then, um, got to the point where I had gotten a phone call and was asked if I wanted to go deliver a car in California for some extra money. And I said, sure. So I called, I called my husband who him and I were now not explain delivering a car. Oh, so like 
delivering a car, literally going and picking up a car and driving it to California and dropping it off and getting paid to deliver that car. Gotcha. Okay. That's the only part of the story that I knew at that point in time. At least that's what you were told. Yeah, that's what I was told. (laughs) And so, and at the time, like I had said, I had moved to Price. My husband had stayed up in Ogden because him and I were not doing well at the time. We were both super deep in our addictions and we were not nice to each other in our addictions. Mm -hmm. Um, There was not a lot of trust at that time between us. And so I had called him and I was like, hey, you want to make some money? And he's like, sure, (laughs) let's go, you know? And so we, we pick up this car and we drive it all the way to California. And this was in August of 2019. And we drive it to California. By the time we hit Beaver, Utah, um, (laughs) my phone had gotten service and I had gotten a message from Todd that said, Hey, Hayden is in the hospital up in Brigham city. And, but he had sent that message hours before and I didn't get it because I was out of, it was out of surface. Right. Yeah. And wow. so I messaged him. I said, oh my goodness, is everything okay? And he said, yeah, Hayden um, had to have an emergency appendectomy. Hmm. And so yeah. I was like, do I need to come up there? You know? And he's like, no, he's fine. I probably should have used that as my first, you know, you got yeah. signs all the time. And yeah, this, for this sure. probably was my first sign like, to turn okay, around. Turn around. You should probably go home. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't. And I just kept going. So we finally made it to um, California and the people or person that I was dropping the car off to was like, Hey, I got beachfront property in Rosarito, Mexico. You want to come on over? Why not? Let's go. And so we went into Mexico and um, they had offered me a very large amount of money to walk drugs across the U S Mexican border. And, and this was probably already planned on their end. Oh, for sure. 100%. Coming, yeah. 100%. But you didn't know that no. going down. No, not going down. I didn't know okay. that. Okay. No. Just making sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then when I got there and I was like, well, <laughs> you know, they, they, they put me and my husband up in this nice place. Sure. Yeah. You know, here. Oh, yeah. And you're going to give me all these drugs to walk across the border. Sure. Why not? So I did. I, and, and I'll be honest with you. I, the first night I got away with it and I walked over the border and. Everything was fine. We're, now, tell me your mental state at this point. I mean, are you scared to death? Um, or are you like, oh, no big deal. I'll be fine. At the time, that was honestly my my, really? my train of thought because yeah. I had never in my life been in trouble. Ever. I had <laughs> right. never been to jail. I had never gotten arrested. I yeah. was squeaky clean, jelly bean. You know, I was good <laughs> to go. And so I walked across. And, and I will tell you, like, of course, there was like that fear that like, what if you do get caught? But they had no reason to stop me. And that was my my thought so like i said first night i got through and and the the adrenaline that i had gotten from walking across that border that first night with the massive amounts of drugs that i had on me was another level of high for me at that moment in time yeah so go to our little hotel room and i was talking to my husband i said i'm gonna do it again and he said don't get greedy and i said it's fine he goes you're gonna get caught and obviously you got paid to do this yeah. And, and that's also probably part of the rush. Like, look right. what I got paid well, to do this, right? Or it, Well, except oh. for I hadn't gotten paid yet. because You hadn't like, been paid yet. Okay. Right. And so they were like, do you want to do it again? And I'm like, yeah. And I, like I said, my husband was like, no, you're getting greedy. Don't do it. Yeah. And so he didn't go back into Mexico with me. And I said, okay. You know, so I went the next day and um, I got strapped with drugs again. And this time I didn't make it across the border. 
And when you say walk across the border, mm-hmm. meaning you literally were walking Walk. through a field, no, a no, desert. No, 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 no. So like when you're going or, from like Tijuana yeah. into customs, San Isidro. You're mm-hmm. talking walking them through yeah, customs. Yeah, they, they, they have oh, a yeah. part where you can walk through. Okay, just yeah. making sure. Yep. And so <laughs> I wow. was walking and um, yeah, I got stopped by a police officer and his dog and... On course, the Mexican side? On Well, it, there was, I had already gone through, there's like a, a door, a uh, rotating door. Yeah. And then you go and there's a big yellow line. That yellow line is the actual border. Okay. I was still on the one side. However, it was an American border patrol. Okay. Who had kind of grabbed my arm and pulled me over and said, what do you have on you? And of course I denied everything. I don't know what you're talking about. I have nothing on me. I was mad because the dog kept hitting me and I'm like, get your dog away from me and so he called a female officer over and they pulled me um, mm-hmm. into this little room and she started searching me Wow! and she found, she found a lot of drugs on me. Um, would you like to know how much? Yeah. I, yeah. If you don't mind sharing. Um, yeah. No, Plus I had, what was going on. I had four and a half kilos of methamphetamine. It's Dang. almost nine pounds. I had, um, um, 1.75 grams of fentanyl and I had, and a ball of um, of heroin. I was not aware that I had the heroin and the fentanyl on me. I only agreed to take meth. And so I remember sitting at the border after they'd found it. They had um, handcuffed me. And I sat at the border for eight hours waiting for the FBI to come and talk to me. And, and they wanted all this information from me. And, and I, I was, this is when my sarcasm was, was at its peak yeah because when i get angry or i don't know how to deal with things i'm super sarcastic and i remember when they were asking me (laughs) do you want to say any names and i'm like what are you gonna do go get them like they're in mexico you can't go over there and get them and i remember ryan was the fbi agent's name and he said you're a very intelligent person and i said well thank you (laughs) and he said no sarcasm sarcasm is is a sign of intelligence. He said, was, what is an intelligent woman like you doing this for money? You know, and yeah. that's, that's what it was about. It was supposed to be money. And from there, um, they took me straight to MCC federal. Do not pass go. You're going to federal prison today. Straight from straight from the border waiting federal. for eight hours for the FBI to show yep. up. Yep. They take you straight from there to federal, to federal prison. prison. Yep. And yep. at this point, what, Describe your mental state. I'm scared. Yeah. I'm really scared at this point. Um, cause I, I, I'm assuming at this point, oh, I'm going to get a slap on the, on the wrist. Cause I, like I said, I never been in trouble. Yeah. It's your first time. First time ever. Yeah. My brain doesn't go towards like, oh, there's a difference between state and federal, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I think I probably slept for the first three days because I was coming off of meth and, um, I remember they called me down to go and see my lawyer. And the first thing he said to me, obviously, was what was my name? I gave him my name. And he told me what I had on me. And he told me, you are looking at a minimum mandatory 10 to life sentence. Minimum. Minimum mandatory 10 to life. I mean, your heart had to have sunk when you heard that. I have. Yeah, look at you. I have goosebumps. Goosebumps even right now yeah. thinking about yeah. that statement. That was that. I can't even imagine, Sharice. Yeah. I would have been like, I would have been crying. I oh, was. Oh I was just, I was, right? I was like, crap. Man. What am I going to do? And so um, wow. 
yeah, it was it was a lot to take in. And so I can't even imagine. Um, I tried to call my mom every single day that I was there after about um, I think it was about seven or eight days. They transferred me to the Chula Vista Police Department. And in the basement of the Chula Vista Police Department, they have a women's federal holding cell. Mm. And my lawyer had come again. And at this point, like I was more clear headed at this point. Yeah, right. Because I was completely you, off drugs now. You could detox from was, the meth. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and so um, we're going over all my stuff again. And um, I asked him, like, well, can't, can't we ask for something else? And he said, no. And so I said, I don't want you as my lawyer. <laughs> right. And so then I got another lawyer. And I don't remember why. No, the second lawyer I got, I did like him. However, he went on paternity leave. And so then I got a third lawyer. And my third lawyer was amazing. She was all about asking for credit for time served. Like, if you do all these things while you're there, you know. So while yeah. I was while I was in prison... Um, there was a lot of things that like I had to, I had to realize, Yeah. you know, and I had to, um, I had to realize who I was mm. because I had forgotten who I was, For sure. you know? Yeah. You're going against who you really are when you're doing 100%, all that stuff. Right. Like this isn't who my parents raised. This isn't, that's, that's well, not going back to what we mm -hmm. said earlier as a kid, you're this loving, compassionate, mm -hmm. you love people. I do. Right. I do. Whereas yeah. when you think about bringing drugs over the border, yeah. you're going to be hurting people right, with these right, drugs, right? Right. right. And what a, what a, you know, cognitive dissonance is what we talk sure, about, right? For sure. For sure. <laughs> so I, I, a few things that I wanted to talk about while yeah. I was in prison that, that please, I feel like, especially here at work, when I, I share my story with our residents, mm -hmm. um, things that, that they need to know is like, like I told you, everybody had, I, I was no part of anybody's life anymore. It was just my own. Yeah. You know? So every day, every single day, I called my mom. Every day. It took her 33 days to answer the phone. 30 33. Whoa. 33 days to answer the phone. And I remember when she answered the phone, she said, well, you got yourself in a pickle this time, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. And she said, what are you going to do? And I so said, that's where you get your sarcasm from, right? Your mom? That is absolutely my, because that's what you would say. That is what I would say. <laughs> well, you did it this time, didn't you? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And she said, you're what like, you? thanks mom for yep. those words of wisdom. <laughs> but that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> right. Right. But then she asks, what are you going to do? And I, I don't know. And she said, looks like you got a lot of time to think right now. So what, at this point, do you know how long you're going to end up being no. in there? So no. you still don't know. I still don't know. Okay. Um, at this point in time, they had, they had kind of started telling me, you know, cause everybody in prison is a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the inmates are lawyers. Yeah. So they're telling me like, oh, well you've never been in trouble. So you're maybe looking at like five years and I'm like, okay, well that's better than 10 to life. You know, mm -hmm. look at that as the upside. Yeah. Um, so while I'm there, like I said, 33 days for my mom. And then she's like, you got a lot of time to think now. And and I, I took that to heart. I really did. So when she said that, I started going to church while I was there. Mm. Um, and I started going to the NA meetings. And the, I mean, they were just held right there in the jail. Yeah, right. And um, 
I feel like it was like day by day, like I started reading this Bible and day by day, like something else was just resonating with me. You yeah. know, like I was truly finding myself again. And, um, I, during this time, I continued to keep trying to call my kids as well. And it took, um, I remember, I think it was day 66 this time. I went 33 days and then day 66, I happened to call my mom and my kids were in her car. Oh, wow. And I asked if I could talk to them. And my mom said, Hayden doesn't want to talk to you. Hayden's my oldest. He doesn't want to talk to you. I said, okay, I understand that. But Liam did, you know. And I remember I apologized to Liam. And he said, it's okay, mom. And he just left it at that. And I can tell you to this day, we've never spoken about it again. Like, I mean, we we do talk about it here and there. But nothing like, he doesn't hold resentments against me for this. Um, And then the the changing moment of my life. So a lot like you, I love quotables, notable quotables. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) my husband used to tell me this one and it said, he used to say every life has its waking moment. Mm. And my life had its waking moment on November 29th, 2019. It was my son's 15th birthday. It was Hayden's 15th birthday. And I had called him and he finally answered the phone that day first time I talked to him the whole time I was there yeah and um he says to me that he was having a great time it was his birthday tell me all about it I said oh that's great like can you send me pictures and he said sure mom I need your federal U.S. Marshal inmate number that was probably the hardest thing for me to ever hear from my child because and that my friend was my life waking moment that was the moment that I knew that I had to get right with myself I had to get right with my higher power I had to get right with my parents I had to get right with my husband I had to get right with myself and I had to learn how to forgive myself so yeah it's I mean I'm feeling it too I'm getting (laughs) emotional by just hearing that yeah, what a, like you said, what a wake-up call. Right. Slap across the face. Right. Like, are you kidding me? I have to give you this number. Right. This is what I've become. I, yeah, exactly. Right. That was my exact Jeez. feeling was I am now a number to my child. I was no longer his mom. And that's that's just how I felt yeah, at that sure. moment in time, you know? Wow. And so I gave him my federal U.S. Marshal inmate number, and he sent me he sent me pictures of his birthday. He sent me pictures of his brother's football. And, you know, we we started talking every week at that point. And yeah. so things were getting better. I wrote I wrote my kids' letters every week. And um, I got to finally see my lawyer again. And I found out this whole time that I've been there that I could get bailed out for no money down. Well, what do you mean? Right? I was, okay. What is this? So um, I had I could get bailed out by somebody who was worth $15,000 a year. So, okay, cool. Yeah. So I had written my mom and my dad both a 10-page front and back letter. I had explained to them everything I'd ever done. I apologized. Let them know I'm trying to forgive myself. These are the things I'm going to do. And then, of course, I like to, you know, tell my mom, if you do this, this is what I'll do. Yeah, right. And right. so I asked them, I said, if, if you if you sign for me, that's all it was, was signatures to get me out. 
I will do right. I will ask to be put on ankle monitor. I will come and live at your house, which was not an option for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know, yeah. and so, so I send this letter to them <clears throat> hoping and praying and, you know, cause yeah. I just, I, I didn't like where I was. I didn't, I didn't sure, want to yeah. be there anymore. And, um, is this still in California? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. The whole time I was in prison, I was in California. California. Gotcha. Time. Okay. Yep. So, um, and I would call my mom once a week. My mom has a day once a week that I'd call her and I'd ask her, I'd kind of like yeah. get around it. Are we, are we, have you read the letter and have you thought about it? And either the subject would get changed or, you know, it's a yeah. big, it's a big thing. So sure. I remember we, we could receive emails where I was at. Oh, okay. Um, but the, the lieutenant would print them off and give them to us. Mm. And the lieutenant had held on to my mom's email for three days because she didn't want me to see what my mom had said. Oh. And um, my mom, after I read it, she had said, no, I can't do that because she had to protect herself and my dad and there, yeah. you know, and, and I, and I understood and I wasn't mad. A lot of people, especially here when I tell my story, they're like, were you mad at your mom for that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because when my mother told me no that day, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah. I needed to hear that because she knew I wasn't ready. Yeah. Moms know best. Moms right? know. Moms just yeah, know. Her intuition was yeah. saying she's not quite yeah. ready. Yeah. I wasn't ready. Yeah. And, and I needed, <laughs> I still needed to learn my lesson. So while I'm there, I, you know, I told you I wrote everybody letters. I wrote my grandfather a letter and, and he wrote me back a letter and I, I don't remember what the whole thing said, but I do know the very first sentence said to my eldest granddaughter, I would like you to know that I forgive you for every transgression you have ever made. It, things just kept getting better and better for me. Was this your mom's dad? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's dad passed away, I think when I was like four. Okay. And so, um, you know, that, that meant a lot to me. Oh yeah. Because of, of anybody on this planet, my grandfather is like, he's my world. Yeah. And, and I just, I never ever wanted to disappoint him. And of course I did, but he, he forgave me. And, and so while I'm in prison, I, I was asked to become the prayer leader. And so I would run, we would have the ministry come in on Sundays, but yeah. then we would still have like church every other day. And yeah. we would just have this big prayer circle and, and, I was, I was finding myself again and I learned how to forgive myself while I was there. And I remember it was coming up time for, I was supposed to be going to, oh no, no, I forgot to tell you. My, um, lawyer, my third lawyer had come in and, and I'm doing all these things, the prayer leader and, yeah. and, and I'm doing NA and, and so I asked her, well, can we ask for credit for time served? And she says, what's the worst they're going to say? No. I like you. Like, let's keep you yeah. on the, on the yeah. tab yeah, for right. sure. And so, um, I remember try to keep right in front of that. I remember my, my date to go and see the judge to get sentenced was kept getting pushed back and kept getting pushed back. I think the first time I was supposed to go was supposed to be in January of 2020. And all of a sudden the world was coming to an end. And yeah. And me and COVID hits. And I, well, myself and the 30 other girls I was with, we had no idea because where we were at, we had no yard. We weren't, we didn't go outside at all. Uh, we didn't have windows. So like we were literally just in this little horseshoe of a box and it was just our little world down there. And how long have you been there at this point? Um, from August 12th. 
And so this okay. was about Jan- in mid-January. Gotcha, mm-hmm. okay. Mid-January. And um, I remember I they usually wake you up super early to transport you to the, to the, the courthouse. And they didn't call my name. And I'm like, what is going on, you know? And so I called my lawyer and she said, okay, well, it got pushed back to next month. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, then we go. February comes around and we still didn't go. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? But I'm still working. Like I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to have these great relationships as far as I could while I'm in prison yeah. with, with the people outside. Um, March comes along and I believe it was March 18th is when I was supposed to, or March 17th is when I was supposed to have court for my sentencing. And it got canceled again. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But I remember getting an email from my mom that day. And all it said was, we're okay. Well, the first one didn't go through. It was the day that Utah had its earthquake. Oh, yeah. yeah. So still just chugging along, chugging along. Finally, um, my lawyer says, okay, we're going to get you there on April 3rd. April 3rd was a Friday. And I'm like, okay, sure. Here we yeah. go. Well, they called my name that morning. And so I go. And I remember, I remember my lawyer telling me, your judge hates sarcasm. That was rough for me. <laughs> a little warning for you. Yes. Do not get... Just FYI. Yeah. You mind your P's and Q's and yeah. you just keep it real 100 and you just sit there and you just take what he has to say. Yeah. Okay. So I show up and it's just me. Just, I'm the only person in the whole courtroom, in the whole uh, courthouse, just me. Uh, my lawyer's not there. She had just gotten COVID. And I'm like, oh no. You're like, but, what are the odds here? Right? Right. <laughs> so she but she had she had somebody standing in for her. And um he had two phones. He had my lawyer on one speakerphone and my mom on the other. And letting the judge know, like, look, these are the things she's doing. This is the life she had before. She'd never been in trouble. You know, like let's let's give her this chance at life. And so I remember one thing that the judge pointed out to me was, you know, prior to my drug addiction, I was always working. I always had a job. I always took care of my kids. I've always, prior to my drug addiction, had a great work ethic. Yeah. Always. And he really liked that about me. Um, and so he decided that he was going to give me credit for time served because that's what we'd asked for. Yeah. What was the worst he was going to say? No. Well, guess what? He said yes. Yeah. He asked for it. You right. got it. Yeah. yeah. So credit for time served as of April 6th, was, which was the following Monday. Mm. And then I was supposed to do six months of in-home incarceration and 200 hours of community service. Does that mean ankle monitor? Mm-hmm. Okay. But but it it was being, I wasn't aware at the time that it was just being in prison at your house. So, yeah. yeah. And gotcha. so okay. I had... Credit for time served, which at the end of that, it ended up being eight and a half months. Okay. And then um, six months of in-home incarceration, 200 hours of community service, specifically working with homeless addicts. Like he specifically made sure I was working with homeless, okay. homeless addicts. Yeah. Um, and then three years of supervised release. So um, April 6th, and I'm taking it. I Thank you, sir. Nice. You have a nice day. Appreciate your time. I go back. And man, they moved me into a cell because now I'd gone out into the world. Yeah. So they had to quarantine me. Oh, okay. Well, where I was at, all of our cells had TVs and phones, except for one cell. And they put me in the cell with no phone. <laughs> and I had to call my mom because they had to they had to arrange for me 
to be able to come home. And so the the officer, Officer Jackson was her name. She was amazing. She called my mom and she she was like getting text messages from my mom and showing me the yeah. text messages, you oh, know. Okay. Yeah. And um I'm I'm a person who I don't believe in coincidences yeah, at all. I for sure. I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. My birthday happens to be April sixth. <laughs> and that is the day mm. that I got out of prison. Wow. <laughs> and wow, I that's amazing. I really feel like I had to be in prison for those eight months because the things that I had missed out on are things I had never missed out on before. Yeah. Both my kids' birthdays, my parents' birthdays, my husband's birthday. Yeah my kids' entire football season. Like I had prior to that, I had never missed a football practice. Yeah. And I had to miss every bit of it. So April 6th comes around. I'm excited. My lawyer's assistant comes and picks me up, um, stops at Starbucks because I hadn't had a good coffee in eight and a half months. <laughs> yeah, prison coffee isn't the same. <laughs> no, <is> it? <laughs> it's not. And I was indigent the whole time. I was indigent. So I had to work for my coffee. <laughs> and... um <laughs> So I got Starbucks on my way to the airport and she dropped me off at the airport and it was so weird. I remember getting on that plane that day and there were other than myself and my U.S. Marshal, there were only three other people on that plane mm. because it was right in the heart of COVID. It was the heart of COVID, yep, yeah. Yep. And nobody knew what was going on. And I remember I got off the, I got off the airplane in Salt Lake City. My mom picks me up. She's very afraid of COVID at this time. Yeah, you know? sure. And so she makes me sit in the back seat of her car. I remember she had her little rubber gloves on and she made me put a mask on. And mm -hmm. I'm like, of all people, I'm not the one with COVID right now because I've been in a basement for eight and a half months. Yeah, you know? sure. And so she's like, well, we got to make one little stop. And I'm okay. And we stopped at In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at In-N-Out Burger was Todd, Hayden, and Liam. Oh. And my mom said, you can't hug them. I hugged them. I yeah. didn't care. <laughs> like, sorry, mom. Yeah, that's I have to touch that... my children. I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't hugged my children, or seen them, or smelled them. And I remember my son Liam. Wow. He's a very sensitive, sensitive. Yeah. Like he's just he's a lover as well. Yeah. And and he'll try and hide his tears, but he did. He he started to cry, and it was it was it was a really beautiful moment. Wow. Was, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and my six months of incarceration of in home incarceration ended up being I wasn't allowed to have a job. Which to me was really strange because my my judge praised me for always having a job, you know. And so I wasn't allowed to have a job in those six months. I could only leave my house to go drug test and go to MRT. Which, by the way, I lived in Brigham City. And these classes and drug tests were in, in Taylorsville. Oh, jeez. And so, and I still had to pay for them. But I couldn't have a job. But I wasn't about to ask. So it's almost like a setup to fail. 100%. Right? It's 100%. almost like, hey, you're not going to. Right. Because for me, my my options were I could I could make one phone call. And I could make money real quick. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't. I, I did not. I made sure I was doing things right this time. You know? Mm -hmm. And so. And great. My best friend, Todd. He's. I got to live in his house during this. You know? And, mm, yeah. And he. I did my best because we thankfully got those stimuluses. Yeah. And so I, I gave out. him, yep. I did, I gave him half of my stimulus and then I used the other half to pay all of my fines and everything, um, from drug tests and whatnot. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I remember I would babysit. <laughs> so I have a dog. His name is Loki. He's an old dog, but you know, he's at my mom's house. 
when my parents went out of town, they would pay me to watch my own dog. But, yeah. you know, it was, it was giving me like that, that sure. of, of independence. And um, never a day in my life have I ever charged my mom to do her hair. And she came all the way up to Brigham City so that I could dye her hair and she paid me for She'd it. She paid for yeah. it. Yeah. Just, just so that like I didn't feel like I was asking people for money. Yeah. You know, and then um, my mom ended up buying me a car. It was, I called her my little red ratchet. <laughs> she was, she was, she was a little red Hyundai ratchet. <laughs> and she oh, was a little funny. four banger and she was yeah. $400 and I was bound and determined. Okay, mom, when I'm off this ankle monitor and I have a job, I'm going to pay you back this $400. Yeah. I'm going to do it. And I remember I get the car and I'm able now to go back and forth without having to ask anybody yeah. for, for a ride. Cause at freedom. this point in time, felt like freedom. It I'm was sure. freedom. Like, it wow. was, but I, even though I was only going from my house to my drug Still tests though, yeah. or my MRT class. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the time prior to getting that, my husband's dad was taking me to my classes cause he happened to live in Brigham city and mm. it was very, like, I appreciate it. He was, sure, yeah. you know, and, and I was trying my hardest to give him gas money here and there. Um, so, October 7th, 2020 comes around. It is time for me to get my ankle monitor off. And I am so excited. So I get my ankle monitor off on October 7th. Um, I had almost at this point in time, the very last month of my in-home incarceration, I finally got it approved to go and start doing my community service. Okay. And doing that, that's how I became a huge part of BAM, which is a a nonprofit, um, which happens to work with a lot of homeless addicts or unsheltered addicts i'm sorry that's the politically and it stands for beyond addiction mosaic mosaic Mm -hmm. yep and the reason that the person the ceo her name is rachel she's an amazing woman she chose that because like mosaic is a bunch of broken pieces of glass yeah and she's like that's how us addicts are we're just a bunch of broken pieces of glass put together Mm -hmm. in such a beautiful way so um I started oh, doing beautiful. a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff yeah. with them and, and October 7th comes around. I think I'm now down to like only 70 more hours left and I get my ankle monitor off and I think to myself, okay, it's time for me to get a job, you know? And I really liked helping like these yeah, unsheltered right. addicts. Absolutely. Yeah. And October 17th, I got a call from Wasatch Recovery and just for an interview, I didn't tell anybody that I had applied for this job. And I remember I came in for my interview <laughs> and Jake, it was when Jake was yeah, here. Yeah, Jake, yeah. And he just, like, he he made me feel like I was just such a great person and yeah. I deserved this. And and so I started as a part-time grave. <laughs> and I started November 1st, 2020. And I just kept doing it. I kept, I, like I said, I was living in Brigham City, driving just my driving little red ratchet down from here. Brigham City <laughs> to here. Wow. <laughs> at, in the middle of the night. And I was doing whatever I could because failure was not an option. It was not an option for me this time. And wow. um, I remember December 24th, I got a new car. And it was it was a little black ratchet this time. It wasn't really a ratchet. It was actually Todd's, my ex-husband's. It was his car because he had bought himself a new truck. And so he let me take over the payments to that. And so like I'm yeah. I'm earning all these things. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just great. Wow. Just great. And now you're the facilita- facility manager. Yes. Is that the way to say it? Yep, facility yeah. manager. It's a tongue twister there. <laughs> facility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. I also got off um, parole at, mm-hmm. um, I asked it a year and a day. 
if I could be taken off of my three-year parole. And at 14 months, I was taken off, successfully terminated. And going back to, hey, you don't know unless you ask. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But obviously watching you and they knew what you were doing, mm-hmm. all the stuff you were involved mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. you were putting in the work. Mm-hmm. You know. And I've heard this a lot where I've worked with people kind of in a similar situation where they get taken off early because – like Travis, mm-hmm. that uh, I always reference at family night, he got taken off way early. He was supposed to be on for six years. Oh, wow. And they thought, this guy's got it. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what they felt about you. Yeah. Is that I, accurate? Yeah. my The first PO that I had, he was directly over ankle monitor. Okay. And then when I got my ankle monitor off, I got a second PO. And I I remember he would call me and he would just be like, Sharif, you are such a nuisance because you're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> okay. You're like, do you want me to screw I'm, up? And he's just like, he's like, he, he told me in a year and a day, make sure that you put in that letter. Because the difference yeah. between federal parole and state parole is your state PO can take you off whenever, if they feel that mm, you're fit. Interesting. You have to get okay. it approved by a judge. Through. Through. And, and so at a year and a day, you can ask to be taken off. The prosecutor is going to want you to give a good reason as to why you should be taken off. Yeah. At 18 months, if they decline it at, a year and a day at 18 months you can ask again and now this time the prosecutor has to give reason why you should not be taken off hmm. but they had no reason for yeah, me they, like, they had none i wish we had something yeah i had passed every one of my drug tests i was doing everything i needed to do you know you were taking accountability 100 100 100 accountability and you know like we talked about a minute ago like you know it was almost like a setup for failure you mm-hmm. couldn't work but mm-hmm. you still had to pay for this stuff mm-hmm. you had to but what I'm hearing from you is that you figured it out. Mm-hmm. You you thought, you know, with this determination, this sheer will to just make this work, you did it. it did. And that's, I want everyone listening to you right now, like that, that was one of the key factors is you were just like, failure is not an option for me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this. Absolutely. Going back to that moment where every life has this waking moment. Right. Mom, right. can I have your federal ID number? Right prison number right? right and you're like going excuse me yeah. oh my gosh that's exactly I was like, but i just i don't know right it's such a beautiful story mm-hmm. and uh, what a beautiful story of redemption mm-hmm. <clears throat> chokes me up it gets better <laughs> i'm sure it does it sure it does i mean so you've been at wasatch for how long working here from november 1st was my very first day november 1st 2020 to right now and it's great. It's I, I love working here. I mean, I've heard you say it before and everybody we work with, this isn't a job. It's like, like yeah. I hate that word. It's not a job. This is such an opportunity. You yeah. Know? And, and yeah. I, I love coming here every day and being able to inspire people. And, and, you know, even on my personal, like I'm, I, I didn't want to be that stigma anymore. I didn't want to be the percentage that didn't succeed, you know? Yeah. And now my husband just got out of prison in February and we both, I mean, we were, we were doing a lot of bad things with drugs. You know, we were doing a lot of drugs together and I'm coming up on three years. And so was my husband. Congratulations. We just, it's so great. We get up every day, have a cup of coffee together and then go to work. Yeah. And then we come home and then we work out and then we eat dinner and then we go to bed and we do it all over tomorrow. (laughs) And it's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You're not walking drugs over the border with no. your strapped. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. Nope. I just, oh man. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, <clears throat> just working with you, just, again, I was always just, because we have people, we, we, and you know this, because you hire people here now. Yeah. Um, 
and there's still a lot of people who are still in rough shape. Right. You were maybe considered to being in rough shape. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, watching you work and flourish here has been breathtaking. Thank you. It's been inspiring to me. And Thank you. I'm actually really honored to have you on this show. Thank you. <clears throat> <Suck>. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> um, maybe at times I probably misjudged you, to be honest. It's okay. If I'm being honest. No, and that's fine. Because <clears throat> I thought when you got put in that position, you take took over for Jake, I thought, oh, I, I honestly thought, oh, I don't think she'll do it. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you have, because Jake, uh, big shoes to fill. Yeah, Jake yeah. Is, Jake's a beast. Yeah. Jake's a yeah. freaking amazing person who's been through his own stuff and right. overcome. Right, right. And, I, 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 and I've got to say, you're there. Thank you. And it's really, really cool to see you thrive in this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think I think the day <laughs> that I that that I decided that this job truly was for me, I was still a grave. Yeah. Working. And I think I'd actually worked like my first 16-hour shift and <clears throat> we had a resident and he was the first resident that I'd seen come in from day 1 all the way to the end, you know. Yeah. Some like I'd come in and they were starting to trickle out. Yeah. But this specific one I remember he comes in and he was here for almost three months, I think. And I remember getting in my car that morning, getting ready to go. And he was graduating that day and he came out to my car and he said, Sharice, hold on. I have to tell you something. And I said, okay, what's up, buddy? And he said, you know, when I came here, I wanted to feel important. And then he said, every morning when you would make me breakfast and give me yeah. my, give me my medications, yeah. he says, you made me feel important. Wow. And he said, because of you, I'm leaving today knowing I'm important. Wow. Whew. Yeah. Makes it all worth it, right? Like, and, and yeah. yeah, I mean, I was, I wasn't even close to looking at Jake's shoes at this point in time. You know, I was yeah. still just, yeah. just working great. Just and, doing your thing. And at that point, but the I impact mean, it, you were having yeah. already. Yeah. And that's how I knew like, this is, this is what I need to do for the this rest of I my do. life. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sharice, you're amazing, honestly. You. And I know there's a ton more to your story, but man, it, you know, as I as I go, as I think back about everything you've just shared with us and just the trajectory of your life and obviously going at, down the wrong road for a long time, but how it got turned around and that waking moment like mm -hmm. you mentioned, which was so powerful to hear. Um, it's just, I don't know, I'm, it's hard to put it into words um, how cool this is. And again, I don't think I've ever had someone be more excited than you to be on this <laughs> podcast. Like seriously. You, I told you my husband this morning was like, are you nervous? Me? No. And, and like we said, you know, Sharice wears her heart on her sleeve. She will be sarcastic. She will tell you how she really feels. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, you just one day came up to me, hey, when can I be on your podcast? And I'm like, yeah, right. And I just, I really did kind of ignore it in my own head. And I thought, oh, she's just kind of joking. I don't know, a few days later, hey, when am I going to be on? I'm serious. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and you true. did this like week a after time. week after week. And finally, I'm like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, and you said everything happens for a reason. Timing happens for a mm -hmm. reason. This is good timing because so many people now that it's been so long since you've been, you know, since you first asked to this point, mm -hmm. we've got that many more listeners and right. that many more people that are going to hear your story. Right. And someone needs to hear this. I think so. I really do. And I think not only are you helping people here, but this story is going to get out. And we're going to send it to the world, girl. 
And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm really excited. It's going to touch some people's hearts and it's so. going to make a difference. I really hope so. <sighs> I really do. Oh my gosh. That's freaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for uh, being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Todd. You bet. <laughs> I have one more question for you, though. Sure. If someone's listening to your voice right now who's in a dark place, like they really are just in a rough, you've already given some great advice, but. They're just in a bad place and they're not sure what to do. What's one thing you could tell them right now, that one person in this moment? I know it's hard, but believe in yourself. Truly, Mm -hmm. truly. Um, There's a saying and it says, uh, believe you can and you're halfway there. Yeah. I'd like to add to that and believe in yourself. You're going to make it. Wow. (laughs) Mic drop. I don't know to Have say you at heard that about point. my groups? We're all about notable quotables in <laughs> yeah, my groups. Yeah, notable quotables. No, I love it. Um, if someone wants to reach out to you, just if they want to follow you mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. social or whatever, ask you a question, get to know you a little bit better, if you're comfortable with that, sure. what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, many. Facebook. I mean, it sure sells. I'm the only one. <laughs> Thanks, you mom. Are, you are the only one. I really am the only one. Thanks, Mom. Um, Instagram. Also... Um, BAM, we is a huge, huge recovery community. We are in all pathways to recovery, um, whether it's harm reduction or 100% mm-hmm. sobriety, whatever your yeah. route is that you want to get there, we're going to help you get there. Love it. Um, and it's just on Facebook, you can follow it's b.a.m. and then in uh, parentheses beyond addiction mosaic. Um, I also found most recently, if you go on Facebook and just hashtag notable quotable, you'll find BAM. And you'll find me. Yeah. It's in. Yeah. Very cool. Why? Well, uh, uh, thank you. And I, of I anyone listen to this, reach out to Sharice and ask her a question. If you have a, a daughter or a son who's struggling and they, you think they're going down the wrong path, like maybe where she was at, um, they'll listen to Sharice, uh, reach out <laughs> to her, ask her a question. I will put the links of these things in the show notes thank you. so people will be able to link to it and then go directly to you as well. Beautiful. So that'll be an easy way for you to yes. do this. I like to say this always, if you have a loved one who's struggling um, and you're not sure how to talk to them, send them a link to this episode for and sure. say, hey, listen to Sharice. Just yes. listen to the story yeah. and it breaks the ice. It does. Then you can follow up with this person and say, what did you think? Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do to help you? It really does open up a communication thing for sure which is really cool for sure right yeah <laughs> yes well uh there you go folks i told you <laughs> today is going to be amazing and it sure was <laughs> and i'm the one that's most spoiled because i gotta sit here with you face to face and uh i know everyone listening to this is going to be touched and it's going to save a life good and i'm honored to work with you thank you thank thanks you. for staying on me about getting on the show <laughs> of um i I'm glad it happened when it did, though, because yeah. it's all right where it needs to be. I agree. Truly. I agree. Trust the timing of your life. <clears throat> if there's ever anything I need uh, that I could do for you, thank you. I'd be happy. Don't as- hesitate. Like I feel like we are connected now on a different level because of this, honestly. Thank you. I hope thank you know you. that. Oh, I do. Think thank the you. world of you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I kind of like you, too. Oh, well, I hope so. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for tuning in. I love you so much. My sponsors, thank you so much. I failed to mention that the music you hear at the beginning of the podcast and at the end is by my good friend, Paul Cardall. He's an award-winning pianist. He's got 25 million active listeners every month. Thanks to Paul Cardall for setting the tone. It really does bring a peace when you listen to this podcast and then, you know, amazing people like Cherise who are vulnerable enough to come and share 
Um, guys, this is awesome. I love you. Sharice, I love you. Thanks for all you're doing. Thanks, I love you.